Y'all, good morning. Uh, my name is Brad Malden. For those of you I don't know, I'm the community pastor here at Trinity, and I'm very excited to be able to share this morning with y'all. I uh, want to make sure you guys are aware if you're new, especially we're going to have a newcomers meeting that's just after this service in the chapel, uh, about a 25, 30 minute meeting in which we get to hear about the mission and the vision of the church. You have a chance to get some um, space to ask questions and get some questions answered maybe if you're in a season discerning about whether this place is your home. Um, if this place is your home, just to reiterate what Addie said just around this idea of spiritual family, right? Like we have our biological family, right? And probably most of us in this room maybe had an opportunity to spend time um, with our biological family in the last 72 hours. That could have been great. It could have been hard. Uh, who knows? Uh, for sure, the reality of what we're invited into as a spiritual family is that it's, it's Jesus that binds us together, not our blood necessarily. Um, and I think our culture, not just at Trinity, but at large, um, has a lot of room to grow uh, in regards to understanding what it means that we belong to one another, that we're brothers and sisters to one another, sons and daughters, uh, mothers and fathers to one another. And one of the reasons we're doing the family service is practical on holiday weekends. It is tough to find volunteers with kids, um, but I think it's much bigger than that. And that's what the Christmas Eve service dinner is really meant to be, is a, is a placeholder for us uh, to be able to live into the imagination that we are one family, that we are one body, that we belong to one another, and we get to live into that. Um, if you are a family member here who has little people in this room and you're feeling really anxious and really nervous uh, because you're worried about somebody wiggling too much or saying noise or making noise or saying things out loud, don't worry. Um, this is just part of the fun, right? And we encourage you kids, let them wiggle, let them color, uh, maybe even let them fill out one of the connect cards uh, in the seats in front of you. And you, you have no idea um, what those kids will say. It's like one of the highlights of my life is I actually keep a box of those um, to find out what like a two-year-old has to say um, is an incredible thing. Um, so we are very excited to have a family service, very excited for you guys to be here. If you have your Bibles, open them up, please, to Luke, the very, very beginning, Luke 1. And we're going to look at verses 26 to 38 here. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name is Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth and her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence into this space, into this place. We ask, Lord, that you would give us tender hearts, Lord, to receive what you have to give us today. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, 
Help us be present to this space and to this moment, Lord, this beginning of the Advent season, Lord. We ask that you would help us learn what it means to wait well, how to hold the in-between in the way that Mary demonstrates for us. Lord, we ask the same for us this morning. Lord, we ask for your grace to come over us, your mercy to be in front of us. Share kindness to us this morning. Let us receive it. We love you, Lord. We ask your blessing on us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Like Sarah said, during worship today marks the beginning of the Advent season. And if you were like me, I did not grow up in the church. And so I get into like liturgical language and I'm sometimes not so sure what it means to me. And so I, I have developed the habit and we've been at training, gosh, for 15 or 16 years to spend the time in each liturgical season asking myself and reminding myself, what does this actually mean? Like, why are we celebrating this thing? And Advent is an invitation to a season of waiting. Advent itself means arrival. And so in many ways, what we're doing is we're waiting on the arrival of Jesus, right? Like, and just here's a little pop quiz for young people in the room. The arrival of Jesus is celebrated on a holiday that's kind of a big deal. What's the name of that holiday? Who is that smart one? We got a smart one right back there. Well done. I love it. Lillian, I think. I can't even see Lillian. Well done. That is fantastic. Christmas, December 25th. Christmas Day is the day we celebrate the arrival of Jesus. Jesus shows up on the scene. Eugene Peterson, in his translation of the message, says that God moves into the neighborhood, which helps us remember that God is coming close to us. He's with us on Christmas Day, and that's what we celebrate for sure. But the reality is, is we're not there yet, right? Like today is November 27th. We have four weeks, 28 days, until we get to actually celebrate that day. And so the church and its wisdom over thousands of years has developed these postures and these rhythms which help us prepare, right? They help us acknowledge the fact that we're not there yet. We're not at Christmas yet. And so much of our culture is built around basically trying to kill time until we get to the thing we want. And the invitation of Advent is to understand, maybe even perhaps learn that the actual preparation is in many ways as important as the destination, Right? Like the actual process of getting from where we are here today on November 27th to Christmas Day, December 25th, is actually the space and the place where God has something to teach us about Him, about us, about His story. And so this season of Advent is an invitation to wait, but I think it's even more, it's an invitation to learn how to wait well. Right? Like not just to kill time, not just in whatever it is, literally or figuratively, to pull out our phones and just kind of like kill time as we wait for the thing we want but to engage in the moment, to engage in the present moment in a full, maybe more full way than we ever have before so that when we get to Christmas morning, none of us are meant to be surprised, right? And so the invitation as I've sat with this week is this, this question of, like, what if the process is as important as the destination itself? What if this process of waiting is the very thing that God is inviting us to consider more deeply this morning, maybe more deeply over this next month than maybe we ever have before? And I think the text speaks well to this. It gives us this amazing interaction of Mary with the angel Gabriel and this remarkable interaction that is very future-oriented. And what we see is Mary possesses this posture that I think is really remarkable that we can learn from. And I think we, I'm sure there's more. And I just saw four things in there I want to share this morning. Four things in which I see Mary kind of possessing a posture, this ability to wait. The Lord speaks something over her in a moment. And it says that moment is going to come to fruition down the line. And the thing that I marvel at is her ability to, to faithfully and obediently sit in that in-between space between here and that point. And the first thing I think that I see in Mary that, 
helps her wait well is that she, unex- she expected the unexpected when it came to God. In the waiting, she expected the unexpected. And we see a lot of unexpected things here, too, stand out for me. One is the fact that God chose Mary herself, right? Like, scholars would say that Mary was a 13-year-old girl. 13-year-old girl. An angel visits her and says, all of the world is going to change through you. That's a pretty big deal, right? Like, that's a pretty big message. All of history, all of my story, God's ability to restore and redeem and to renew his kingdom forever and ever is going to come through the light's turning off minute by minute. All right, this still works. I'm going to keep going. All right, so uh, it's all going to come through you. Isn't that not amazing? To a 13-year-old girl, hey, young people who are almost 13 years old, or you can imagine a future in which you will be 13 years old, do you believe that God has something to say to you like that? Do you believe that it's possible that God would say something to you and maybe even perhaps say something through you? What an amazing and unexpected way that God would pivot human history in the form of a 13-year-old girl. And not only that, God would then continue to bring fruition to his plan of redeeming and restoring all things through the arrival of a baby, right? Like a baby. I mean, how many of y'all have like a memory of babies? What do they do? They cry, right? They sleep. Nobody wants to say it's in church. They do one other thing that usually goes with cry and sleep and eat. But the reality is, is the baby does very little, right? But the thing that I marvel about when it comes to babies is babies are the most vulnerable part of God's creation, right? Like no matter what animal or creature we're talking about, a baby itself is the most vulnerable possible way that God can enter into a story. And God enters into his story and as the creator puts his entire livelihood in the hands of his creation. Think about that. If you want to know what God is like, think about and reflect on what that means about his character, that God, the creator of all things, enters into his creation as a baby. He enters into creation as the most vulnerable thing possible. In some ways, practically speaking, even, he puts his life in the hands of his creation, right? And we see that come to its fruition years and years and years down the road. But remember, he had to be fed. He had to eat. So God became man, and he put himself in a position of vulnerability, and he put himself in the position as a baby, and I just think that is amazing. And it says that his name is going to be Jesus, and what that means is his name was Yeshua, Joshua. And when we think of Joshua, we think of the Old Testament, we think about Joshua bringing the Israelites to the River Jordan. Moses had taken them this far. Joshua was going to lead them through the river to the other side, the Promised Land. And that's what we see, that that baby is intended to become our salvation. That's actually what Yeshua, or Yeshua means. It means the Lord is salvation. And so when we think of Jesus, it's good to think of him as like the Jesus, the grown-up. It's really good to think of him as Jesus, the baby, that the vulnerable, the vulnerability of God, God with us in the hands of his creation is going to be the path to salvation. What a remarkable story. What an unexpected way for God to unfold his story, to bring things to rights through a baby. And what I love about this is that Mary hears this and it says that she was a little puzzled by that, right? Like that may have been the most understated thing ever. Like she was perplexed. Um, The reality is, is I love her response because it was one of wonder, right? Like she was open. She was open to the wonder and the curiosity of how God would make things unfold. And that openness was such a gift. And little people, young people in this room, I want you to understand something. Jesus says, to enter the kingdom of God, you have to become like a little child. Raise your hand if you're a little child in this room, okay? Jesus said to be like you, 
in order into the kingdom of heaven. That we have to become like a little child. And what I love about it, what I think we as adults can learn from children and what Jesus, I think, meant in this space is that children, they don't expect control, right? Dallas Willard says they don't manage their face. I've got three kids, seven, nine, 11-year-old, and I can tell you as I've watched them age, what I've seen is that my oldest one is starting to learn how to manage your face. And I think it's what the world does to us. It doesn't lead us to freedom. It leads us to some sort of version of it setting an expectation around what we think people want from us. And so we start to manage our faith to give people what they expect. And what I love about kids is the freedom that they live in, the wonder and the curiosity that they possess in their bodies. Adults, we have something to learn from these little people. And Jesus says the same thing. And I think Mary demonstrates that posture as well. She had an openness to her. She had a curiosity to her to expect the unexpected. So when God came to her and said, hey, here's how I'm going to bring my kingdom to fruition, she was at least curious enough to be willing to hear it, right? She had to be open to it. And the question I've been sitting all week with is, am I open to that, right? Like, am I open to the unexpected ways of God? When God presents something in front of me and for it to unfold, am I open to letting God be God and me not be God anymore? Am I curious enough? Am I full of wonder to be able to live into the mystery that God is inviting me into? And I think in this particular season, what we have to remember is to learn to wait well means we get to be open to the unexpected ways of God. Now, the second thing we see is that God will comfort us in the unexpected, this sense of change and discomfort that we'll experience in many ways because of the unknown. God brings us comfort, but he doesn't change his plan, which I think is an important point for us to to ponder, to sit with, that God will comfort us in the midst of our discomfort, but his comfort doesn't mean that he always changes his ways, right? Like he doesn't always get us out of our circumstances, What we see is that Mary was perplexed. She says, how can this be? She's feeling probably fear and curiosity for sure. Maybe a little anxiety about what God had presented to her. And what we see is that she asks questions. How's this going to actually work, God? And what I love is is the fact that God doesn't slap her hands. He doesn't belittle her, demean her, or tell her, hey, you just just shut up and let me do my thing and you just come along. No, he, he speaks comfort over her. He says, Mary, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. God has found, God favors you. You found favor with God, which is in essence this invitation to not be afraid, not because your circumstances are going to change, but don't be afraid because God is with you. God is present in the midst of your reality. I mean, for me, I have a really hard time with living with that reality, right? Like in essence, hearing the word of God say, I'm going to comfort you in the midst of your circumstances, but I'm not necessarily going to change them. That's a real bummer. Like, understated, right? Like, that is a really hard thing for us to live into. The reality that we so often live as though God's plan for us is one of comfort. And we equate comfort with this must be the right thing. And what we see in a story like this is that God doesn't necessarily change our circumstances. Our comfort isn't found in the altering of our circumstances. Our comfort is found in the presence of God in the midst of them. And the promise of Advent, the promise of Christmas, is that God is coming to us. God is going to come close to us in the midst of our reality, the midst of our challenges, the midst of these circumstances that we find to be so difficult. And y'all, that's tough, right? Like it's hard to live into the space that we're in right here because we are here, Christmas is there. 
And what we live into the promise of Christmas is one of the totality of the reign of God, right? The reign and rule of God is not under threat. Jesus is coming back, as it says, and he will reign forever. He will establish his kingdom. But we're not there yet. So that's the thing that's down the road. Here we are right here. And so there's a lot of space in between here and then. And that's where we live. It's where we exist. And God promises not to change those realities, but to comfort us in the midst of them. I think about Mary, and I think about the fact that as she hears this word and she speaks, or she is able to express her concerns and God comforts her in the midst of it, the reality is, is she still has to live into her reality as, her, as God's plan unfolds, right? Like God says, I'm going to bring my kingdom to fruition through you in this way. And she says, okay. And what she has to do from there is know that God is with her, but she still has to walk through the process of being a teenage girl who is pregnant out of marriage, which would have come with loads of consequences, right? In any time in the history of the world, it comes with loads of consequences, but especially in this space. She was most likely going to be divorced, which would most likely have put her outside of her culture and her community. She would have been shunned. She would have been an outcast. And perhaps she may have even been killed. She was still going to have to step into the reality of those consequences as she lives with God's plan unfolding. But what she had to be reminded of, and I think we have to be reminded of, is that God is going to be with us. The circumstances changing are not the point. It's God's presence in the midst of it. God's presence is the blessing. It's what comforts us. And I think so often we try to escape our discomfort. And I think the invitation in Advent, learning to wait well, is learning how to be comfortable in the midst of our discomfort. It's learning how to be comfortable in the midst of the things that are agitating us. Learning how to be comfortable and settled in the midst of a reality that is moving against our desires. When the winds are in our face, it's learning how to be settled with that is, is this invitation in the Advent season. Learning to be comfortable with our discomfort is not a natural thing. It's a challenging thing for sure. But it's this invitation to be able to live into the, the, the place where God meets us in the midst of our discomfort. I've been asking the question all week just in the sense of, am I aware of the places there's discomfort in my life? Am I willing to sit in that place? And what I've been learning about myself over these last few years especially is that I have a tendency, and I imagine many of us share the same tendency, to try to escape reality, to try to escape our discomfort. One of the ways that I learned that I do that, and it's, it's, you know, it's harmless in some ways, maybe it's an expensive one, but I tend to renovate things, right? Like I tend to like, I'm like, I'm going to rearrange furniture, or I'm going to build a second store in our house, or I'm going to build a shed in the backyard. I'm going to start building things. And, and what I've learned over the years is what I'm doing in those spaces I'm actually escaping something that's uncomfortable for me. I'm putting myself in an imaginary world, which is in essence an effort to get out of my reality. And it seems harmless enough, but y'all, the reality is, is when I do those things, what I'm missing is the opportunity for God to come close and meet me in the presence of my reality. For God to come close to me is the point. God's presence is the blessing. And so I've learned when I start to renovate that there's a red flag that has now gone up and what I do is I spend time then saying, okay, instead of like drawing out plans for what it is in my imagination, I start saying, God, why am I unsettled right now? 
Like, in what ways am I escaping reality? And y'all, what I have found over the past couple of years is I've lived into that and I asked God to help me see in which ways I am uncomfortable and then ask God to come close to me in the midst of my discomfort and help me to be comfortable with my discomfort. In essence, to not change necessarily the circumstances I've in. What I have found is that God has come close over and over and over again and I'm experiencing healing. I'm growing in maturity and my ability to sit in the midst of the wilderness. I'm learning how to be more faithful in the midst of the wild things, which I think is what God is inviting all of us to. Because we are here, kingdom fruition is here, and we're somewhere in the space between. And God has us on a journey and is preparing us. And yet we've got to learn how to be comfortable in the discomfort. But it's also in the waiting that we get to ask questions. And that's the third thing I would say I think that Mary really demonstrates for us is the sense of asking questions while you wait. I love that Mary gets to ask questions, right? Like she's like, how can this be? And she's asking for a little more detail. And I think this invitation for us as we wait to ask questions is a real invitation for you and for me. And by questions, I mean real, honest questions. We get to ask real, honest questions of God as we wait. As we sit in this in-between space, as we prepare our hearts for the arrival of Jesus, we get to ask God some hard questions like Mary was probably asking God. We're free to ask those questions. And by real questions, I mean things like my mom who passed away in September. How is it better, God, that my mom is not here? How is your kingdom more likely to become renewed and restored without a person who is a person of renewal and restoration being present in this place? Or I think about all the unfulfilled desires that are probably sitting in this room right here that are good and holy. And by that, what I mean is things like, hey, God, I'd love to be married. God, I'd love to have kids. I'd love to have a job. I'd love to have a job that's fulfilling. I'd love to have friendship and community and a sense of belonging of people who see me for who I am and accept me in the sense of they meet me where I am and they help propel me closer to the kingdom of God. All of those things are what we're made for. And sometimes those things don't come to fruition, right? And so what do we do with the fact that there's these unfulfilled desires that seem good and right and true, and yet they don't come to fruition? We get to ask God those types of questions. We get to ask God those hard questions because what happens when we ask those questions, y'all, is that they locate our reality. They help us locate the present moment. Are you with me on this? When we get to ask those hard questions, what I find, for example, is that when I get to say, God, how is it better? How can this be that your kingdom is coming to fruition when my mom is no longer here? What I get to do in that moment is I get to grieve, right? I get to recognize that I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling sorrow. I miss somebody who I love deeply, who's no longer part of the rhythm of my life. I cannot call that woman. That breaks my heart, and I have to be able to say those things to the Lord with honesty and not gloss over them. And what it does is, again, is it locates me in reality. And this is going to sound like some sort of Far Eastern thing, but y'all, the present is the only place God's going to meet you. You with me? Right here, right now, is the only place God is going to meet you. And so we have to learn how to locate our reality. We have to learn how to locate the present so that we can be met by God. Because if we're made to be with God in the present, if God's presence is the blessing, we have to learn all the ways that we distract ourselves from the present so that we can be present. And what I have found is that asking questions helps me be present. It helps me locate where I am, what I'm feeling, what I'm embodying, what I'm thinking. 
helps me see when I've stepped out of that place of God's presence and I've either moved forward or I've moved backwards. And God slowly with these questions has been teaching me how to learn how to be present in the spaces that I'm occupying because that is where God longs to be and where he longs to meet you and where he longs to meet me. And so learning to wait well is a willingness to ask questions. What questions are you asking God right now? What places of discomfort are you living into where you're maybe afraid to ask questions of God? What questions do you want to put before him that not only help you be honest with a God who can handle it, just like he did with Mary, but also a God who longs to meet you in the present tense, a God who longs to meet you exactly where you are? And that's what those questions, I think, are able to help us do. And they lead us to this fourth and final point here, which I think waiting well is just simply the place where God allows us to hold what he's given us. Waiting is the place where we hold what God gives us. It's where we hold reality in many ways. What we see with Mary is that she didn't need to understand in order to say yes. She also didn't need to feel competent in order to hold the things that God gave her. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, I, I want to understand and I want to be good. At, I want to be able to like, ensure outcomes, right? Like I want to win. I want to get an A. I want to succeed. I want to get it right. Whatever language you need to help locate yourself in the, the, that story. Okay? And the other reality is that we want to understand. And we long to understand so that we can get it right. But what we hear in this story, what we see in this story is that neither are required of us. God is not saying you have to understand, nor is God saying you need to be competent or for my plan to unfold. You just need to be like Mary. You and I need to be like Mary. We need to be willing to be vessels. We need to be willing to be containers. In the case of Mary, to literally carry within herself the plan of God to redeem and to restore all things. That's the invitation. Learning to wait well is a posture that says, Lord, I am willing to hold this thing as long as you give it to me. My posture isn't, I'd have to grip onto this or I have to let go of it. There's a third option, a third way in the preparation of waiting for us. Learning to wait well just simply says, I'm willing to hold the things God has given me. I don't need to understand it. I don't need to be competent with it. I don't need to control it. And I think learning to wait well is, is an invitation for us because it's this whole entire preparation for us that helps us learn what it's going to be like to live in the kingdom of God, where none of those things are going to be true for us anyway. So this preparation, this season of preparation, this invitation of Advent, this invitation to wait and to learn how to wait well as we wait for December 25th and Christmas Day and Christmas morning where really good things happen. We should be excited about those things, but we also are being invited to understand and realize that it's the process itself in which I think God has the most to teach us. It's this process, this preparation and not the destination that is so much maybe as more important than the destination itself. And so when we wake up on Christmas morning, what we realize is that we're just going to say yes and amen to the thing that we've known to be true from this day until then, which is that God is with us no matter what, and that God has given us something that's going to bring new life, that's going to be reborn inside of you, inside of me. And the invitation is to prepare ourselves for that in these next 28 days. So if you're able, what I'd love to do is to help us prepare our hearts for the table. So please stand if you're able.